0: Welcome to the Well Child Podcast, brought to you by two board-certified pediatricians, Dr. Anna Powell and Dr. Samira Arman, also known as the PD Pals, as we talk to you about topics involving raising well and happy children in today's challenging society. Please follow us on social media at the PD Pals or
1: find us online at www.thepdpals.com. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the well child. We are here your friendly PD pals with a very important topic, constipation, everything you could possibly want to know about poop. Everyone does it, we do it, your kids do it, but this is a big topic, and this is a point of stress for a lot of parents. So we figured that we give you bite-sized pearls about constipation, something that you can take home and really apply for your children. So should we get started talking about poop?
0: Yes, and I am singing poop, there it is in my head right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, how often do we hear about this topic, constipation? Daily. Daily.
0: So much so that we made a reel about it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, we've, I think, touched on this topic a lot. So it's very normal. Uh, You never probably thought that you were going to worry about your child's poop before you had one. And then suddenly you're changing diapers and you become a poop expert. So Mm -hmm. let's start with the definition of of constipation. Uh, The interesting thing is that the definition of constipation varies across ages. Mm -hmm. So for children uh, or babies, we should say, and infants, constipation is actually defined by the consistency and the texture. So it's okay. Babies and newborns, when they're born, uh, they could poop 100 times a day, especially breastfed babies. They tend to be little squirters and they Mm -hmm. will have a poop every time they drink, which is often. Or uh, they can also poop once a week, and that's considered normal too. So it's not really the frequency for babies that we care about, it's uh, the consistency. So if a baby has hard poops that are coming out like pellets, like a grown up poop, that's what we consider to be constipation. And we actually would encourage you to talk to your doctor if that's what your baby's experiencing because there could be a um, many reasons that that's going on, from them having a milk allergy to having some type of intestinal blockage. Uh, there's something called Hirschsprung's disease that they could have if they're having really hard stools and their abdomen is distended. But if they're always having runny stools from birth up until the, they're about four months old, which is when you should be introducing solids, then it's not constipation.
1: Exactly. So the bottom line is there's a lot of things that can be. So leave all that up to your doctor. What is normal for an infant? Like Dr. Sammy said, they can poop sometimes with every meal. And a lot, this is funny because a lot of parents will come to me and said, they just started eating and now they're pooping, (laughs) you know? And so we usually tell them that's okay. This is a gastrocolic reflux that happens in babies. So as soon as they start to eat, they release a little bit of stool. That's not diarrhea that's normal. And so they poop very often, but then around one to two months, their stools slow down naturally. Typically not all babies do this, but some do. And a lot of parents get worried at this point because they think they're constipated. So at this point, I tell them they can poop once a week or they it can poop 10 times a day. It doesn't matter as long as the consistency is soft. It comes out easily. It's not hard pellets like you mentioned. So that's very important for the newborns and for the infants because it's completely different for older children, right?
0: Yes. And then I also want to stress, if you ever see blood, call your doctor.
1: Right. Exactly. And it's normal for them initially, um, as a lot of new moms will see for their stools to be black and dark uh, initially. That's the old stool that was there uh, for the child um, uh, when they were still in the womb. So it's called meconium. And a lot of times it's very black uh, colored and then it changes eventually. So the the main things we worry about is not whether it's yellow or green or brown, but if there's blood, important to let you let your doctor know. Um, So
0: once you start to introduce solids at four to six months of age, then suddenly poop changes depending on what they've eaten. And you can have all kinds of different colors of the rainbow and all kinds of consistencies. You'll see food particles in the poop. All of that is considered normal. So for older children, the definition of constipation is when they're having inconsistent, hard poops that are causing them discomfort. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think one of the things to remember is typically we would love for children to go poop once or twice a day. But sometimes when they're constipated, they still go once a day and they'll just drop a pellet. Um, That doesn't count. They have to have a good, soft applesauce consistency, soft ice cream consistency type of stool daily for it to be considered a normal stool. If they're having to strain a lot, if their poop is coming out in pellets or really large stools or they act like they're delivering a poo baby or they're straining so hard that you Mm -hmm. see some blood when you're wiping their bottom, that's constipation
1: also another thing that a lot of people get confused with something we call encaprices when they have soiling, um, in their underwear. So a lot of the t- toddlers, the older children, sometimes they'll have liquid like stools, but it's not like full blown diarrhea, but they'll have soiling of their underwear in their diaper. And it's just little amounts of liquid poop. Uh, this can sometimes be a sign of severe constipation because they have larger amounts of stool that is stuck. <laughs> um, you know, for lack of better words, and we're having water that's going around the sides of the poop causing soiling. So even if they're not having, you know, large numbers, and it could be liquidy, that can still be constipation. So something to look out for.
0: It's one of the most common causes of stomach pain. We don't mean to be Uh, dismissive in the clinic, but pretty much almost every child that says their stomach hurt, the first thing that the doctor will think about is they're constipated. Yes. Yes. Especially once children start to become potty trained and then they become school age. So we're not there all the time when they're pooping uh, left to their own devices. They're usually rushed when they're pooping so they won't Mm -hmm. finish going. And then eventually it will catch up with them. So they don't sit there and take their time and have a consistent poop routine. And then again, eventually it will catch up with them. I also want to mention this huge caveat. This is why Dr. Anna and I are always saying don't rush potty training because kids who have been rushed into potty training will exhibit withholding behavior and they will inevitably become constipated. And constipation stinks, guys. It's the worst. My daughter- It's really hard. And it's just awful to watch them try to deliver these poo babies and everyone's miserable. And what are you supposed to do? And suppositories are very torturous. And Mm so it just sucks. If you can try not to and try to avoid having your children be constipated, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. And before we delve into the causes of constipation, I just wanted to recap the symptoms. So like we mentioned, stomach pain, very common, uh, cramping, nausea. Sometimes children have, they can have normal bowel movements, but the amount, uh, the number of times in a day or how often they go um, is a big type of symptom. Hard stools, like we mentioned, um, soiling. A lot of the younger kids might be cranky uh, and they don't have a way to explain it, right? Um, Some don't eat as well. So that could be another symptom of constipation. So they might not feel like eating all day. Um, And then, you know, you're forcing them to eat almost. So you want to think about constipation then and uh, bleeding from when we wipe their bottoms, if you see blood there. So those are all symptoms. So I think we should now talk about all the causes, right?
0: But I want to emphasize the most important point you said there because it's just so important for parents Mm -hmm. to know this. Yes, they're not eating because that always concerns parents. They'll say they're they'll come up um, to us and -hmm. they think something terrible is going on. Like they're like they have their they have stomach aches and they're not eating and they think that you know the child has like Crohn's disease or something terrible and it's oftentimes it's just constipation. Yeah, And, and they might go a pellet or two every day. But they're still constipated. They're backed up. And if you're full of poop, you don't want to eat. So exactly. I think a good mom tip is anytime you a school age child comes to you and says, my tummy hurts, say, go to the bathroom and have them sit there for 20 minutes. And if they pooped in that 20 minutes, awesome. And if they didn't, then that's OK. You don't have to let them sit there
1: for much longer. But try that yeah. trick for sure. And, and exactly what you said, we're not being dismissive, but sometimes because this is so common, we'll say, let's treat your constipation first. And then if the problems are continuing, then we'll go down the list of all the other things it can be. So because we see it so, so much, that's why we always want to keep that kind of at the top of our list to eliminate that as a possibility.
0: So yeah, talk us through uh, the causes, what happens.
1: Yeah. So I think the number one cause, so usually I break down the causes into about three to four things. So one is diet, 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 right? Our nutrition is now pretty much devoid of a lot of fiber and we can talk about fiber and how much to have and all of that, but diet is big. Second um, main cause of constipation is usually if they're sick. So usually in times of illness, they don't want to eat and then they can get constipated. The third big sign, um, uh, the third big cause that you mentioned earlier is the withholding. So the behavioral patterns. So if a child has had a hard stool in the past and they remember it was not comfortable uh, or they were rushed through potty training, a lot of times their behavior can change to the point where they wait till the very last minute to go to the bathroom. Uh, I know every parent tells me that they will just go when they can't hold it anymore, right? Um, so that's part of their behavioral pattern. Another thing, is is if they're having um, a pain involved with it, they're going to withhold. Uh, and also, a lot of times, kids are so busy, right? So they are they go in there, they have one stool, uh, one small little pellet, and then they run off because they're busy playing their games or doing something. So a lot of times, they're not emptying their bowels completely another symptom of withholding. Um, and then the third, situ- uh, the last uh, cause that I, in my mind would be like, if there is there a stressful situation, the mind is really connected with the gut. So stressors in the home, if their routine has changed, I know um, my mom, this is an embarrassing story, but my mom used to always say that when... <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this, but we used to travel a lot when I was younger. And so in traveling, kids are not used to the bathrooms. Once they first start school, they're not used to going to the bathroom at school. And so a change in their routine or their normal um, pattern can really throw things off. So my mom still makes fun of me that I would not use the restroom for days and weeks when we would be in another country. So. I think there you go. so
0: many people have that, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as they have to go to another bathroom, it's like, you know, <laughs> their, their bowel habits are like, peace out, I'm not coming back for uh, So that's really, that's very common for sure. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure to touch on is that make sure your children are not drinking too much dairy. We often see kids who were never mm-hmm. constipated become constipated at one year of age, and it's because they transition from breast milk or formula to whole milk or 2%. And then they are having way too much of it. Mm -hmm. One of the most common causes of constipation is too much dairy consumption. So really two servings of dairy a day, two to three is the max. So I really try to stress, I, you know, the AAP says 16 to 24 ounces. I'm more of a 12 to 16 ounce type of person because Mm -hmm. we are so heavy in dairy in our, in our traditional diet. Kids -hmm. are getting yogurt and cheese and almost everything. And it's going to constipate you. And you have to drink water. Half your body weight got to drink that water. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they're drinking enough water. Juice doesn't really count. Um, It's full of sugar and it's just not the same type of hydration that you need. Most stool softeners keep water in the colon. So what mm-hmm. they're doing is they're keeping water in the stool so that it's easier to pass. So why, need, why would you give yourself something artificial to do something that you could just do naturally, which is to drink water? <laughs> so exactly. those things are being done. Make sure your kids aren't huge carb eaters. That's going to stop you up. make sure they're getting their fiber in their fruits and veggies. So a balanced diet is key to preventing constipation.
1: Yeah, very, very important around that one year time when usually kids are not breastfeeding anymore, or they're switching off their formula, and they're going to that whole milk. And they're still drinking like they were chugging the formula, you know, they're drinking the same volume. So we really, really stress at this time, like you said, which is so important, the 12 to 16 ounces is really important to get you off on the right foot. I just wanted to add um, out of those causes, those four things that I mentioned are things that are in our control, things that we can typically control the diet, our behavior, the stressful patterns sometimes, not always, but there are many medical conditions, which you kind of mentioned a a while back, um, things like Hirschsprungs, things like hypothyroidism. So if there's something that, you know, this constipation is just not, you're not getting anywhere with it, it's been, uh, you know, definitely bring it up to your doctor, because there could be other reasons that are causing it. Those are very, very rare and not common at all. So don't panic. You know, if your child has been constipated for years, that it's something else for sure. But that those are there are other medical conditions that can be causing constipation more so than in normal kids.
0: Right. And another thing I want to mention is when a uh, Constipation is a clinical diagnosis. So Mm -hmm. as a doctor, don't do any testing to diagnose constipation. It's based on the history. And then our physical exam, when we're checking the abdomen and the stomach, we can actually hear the bowel sounds. And if you're constipated, they tend to be slower. And then when Mm -hmm. we're palpating or touching the, the stomach, we can sometimes feel hard stool balls in there. So that's all we need. There's nothing else you can do. We Sometimes we'll do x-rays and all it does is just show a whole bunch of poop. Of yes. Uh, but that's, we don't need to do any blood work or anything else. If there are other red flags, like the child is not growing or there's been blood in their stool or they alternate between constipation and diarrhea, other things that, you know, the doctors will sift through, then we go ahead and do some testing. But if you tell us what's been going on, chances are we're just going to tell you it's constipation without doing any tests, and That's normal standard of care practice.
1: Right. And to talk about the diet, which is very, very important right now and treatment, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics usually recommends, this is a, a nice little tip that you can remember uh, for children between the ages of two and 19, your daily amount of fiber that you need should be the child's age plus five grams of fiber as a general rule, some kids need more, some don't need as much because we all have different bowels. So if your child is two years old, so it'll be two plus five. So they need about seven grams of fiber. Um, So you can talk to your (laughs) diet. <laughs> just double that, <laughs> you know. You can never have too much, you no. Know? Uh, but no, there's. Uh, it's important to start looking at their diet because we talked about in our picky eating episode how kids tend to get picky and they eat a bunch of snacks which are processed snacks and don't have a lot of fiber, um, and they have uh, they're just devoid of it. So we need things like um, you know you can look at. Uh, apples with the skin have a certain amount, a good number of fiber, uh, peaches, pears, raspberries, whole wheat cereals, um, you know, carrots, broccoli, all the vegetables
0: in limit, uh, dried fruit is high in sugar content, so you have to be careful, but it's a really good source of fiber too. So whenever yes. my kids, uh, get a little bit, you know, they didn't go one day, for example, they even know to come and grab a handful of dried fruit, apricots or prunes, uh, or dates. And then the next yes. thing, you know, <laughs> they're in the bathroom.
1: Yeah. yeah, there's fiber plus a little bit of natural sugar in there. So it really does help. And a lot of parents, their tendency is to go straight to the juice. And, and sometimes that's okay. But try to be careful with that, because then they just, you know, get stuck on the juices, which which we don't want, we want to emphasize water as much as we can. And um, and then we have other ways to help improve it is, is medications, right? Yeah. Uh, and you have to be very, very careful in uh, getting medications over the counters like laxatives uh, or uh, you know enemas without talking to your doctor because for younger kids, it can be dangerous if not used properly. So I wanted to get your opinion on what you recommend um, uh, families do first. What's your first go-to?
0: Okay, so I really want to mention for my patients and anyone who's listening to this podcast right now, I really don't want you to do a suppository without talking to your doctor. Mm-hmm. Same with an enema; uh, it those two are really traumatizing for kids. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's it hurts. <laughs> so, yeah. so make sure you talk to them and get their okay before you have to do that. And also studies have shown that a lot of these things can cause dependence later on, so then kids are not able to go without the assistance, and that's not the point either, right? You want them to be able to poop regularly without help over their lifetime. So those two things I really want to talk, I really want to make sure that parents understand not to just go knee-jerk reaction, grab a suppository, and then put it in their rectum and then be stuck with the consequences. Uh, Also, sometimes if you're not doing it right, it could be dangerous. So Mm -hmm. I I don't condone those things regularly. Now with kids, um, technically you could do it younger, but I would say two and up. uh, It is okay to try Miralax, which is an uh, over-the-counter osmotic laxative. So it's not really a a proper laxative. Um, Mm -hmm. It's more like a water retainer, like I was discussing before. So that's okay to do. You might want to, again, talk to your doctor about the dose, but it can be can be mommy and daddy dosed. Miralax is a pretty neat thing that has been invented. It Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't create dependence. You really can't OD or overdose on it. And uh, it's tasteless and odorless. And you just mix it in their water or something that they're drinking. And it's Mm -hmm. it's done one to two times a day. So a lot of kids who are prone to constipation, their their parents just kind of keep Miralax around to give it to them when it's needed. But it's important to know that because it's not a laxative, it takes about a day for it to start working. So it usually works the next day. So that's something that, you can have in your back pocket if all the other natural remedies don't work. But even for laxatives, I don't like to give kids Ex-Lax or anything like that mm-hmm. unless you're in a special circumstance. You've been under the care of a doctor, or you've been under the care of a GI physician, and that's one of your go-to treatment plans. So mm-hmm. every child's different. But for the standard child who has not had any problems, uh, medical problems otherwise, don't go reaching for Ex-Lax. Uh, talk to your doctor first.
1: Just to recap, we talk about diet and increasing fiber and increasing water first. If that doesn't work as a treatment option, we add on regular toileting for kids that are old enough that are potty trained. We want to set a routine, so we want to have times uh, that we can ha- encourage them to go to the bathroom, sit there, you know, for enough time for them to empty their their rectum and their colon as much as they can. So I usually tell parents, you know, in the morning when they wake up, maybe after school or before bedtime or set whatever works for your schedule uh, to make sure you encourage them to go and establish a pattern because once you train their bladder and their bowel to go you have less accidents you have less bedwetting you less have less constipation so working on the behavior for the kids that are old enough and potty trained I think really goes a long way and then after that if we need a medication I prefer miralax as well but again each child is different you have to talk to your doctor. But what I tell parents something about constipation is that you have to have patience for it. Because a lot of times if you're coming to your doctor, you're at that point, where you really have tried things and it's, it's been there for a while, right? Typically for most parents. And so if you think about it, I'll usually make them a little drawing, which all the kids are like, Oh God, why are we drawing (laughs) out my insides? But if you imagine if they've been withholding for an extended period of time, there are little colons, um, and intestines get stretched out. Right. And so that stretch, um, the way the intestines work is when we have stool in there, it's like an elastic band. Once it feels the stretch, it pushes. Pushes the stool out. Um, And if it's been stretched, it's lost that elasticity. So, cleaning them out with Miralax or with a laxative or doing an enema once in a while is not going to reverse all those days and months of withholdings, right? That elasticity has gone. So, typically, once you've already been constipated for a while and you start a regimen like Miralax, you want to do it for a month or two months for a while and wean them off slowly. I mean, do the this with, your, with your doctor, but a lot of gastroenterologists or GI specialists, stomach specialists will usually have them on a routine and then wean them off slowly, whether that's diet and fiber or Miralax or whatever you do. Once you get your regimen, you don't want to just do it once and stop. It's, it requires patience and time, and that will be your best friend in the long run.
0: Very well said, and it's such an important point that it took the child some time to get to this point. So it is gonna take them some time to get back to a normal routine. And another thing you, you touched on, which was so important, that a lot of the times if kids are constipated it actually causes them bladder problems because the yes. poop and the way that mm-hmm. the everything is anatomically located in the stomach sometimes poops are are placed strategically right on top of the bladder which causes them to leak or act like they yes. have a UTI so they'll say it hurts to go or they're having trouble going and it's mm-hmm. hard to go and it's really just that they're constipated mm-hmm. so it can really leak into other
1: areas of the <laughs> So punny you are. So (laughs) punny. But yeah, no, children with uh, chronic constipation can also have a higher incidence of UTIs as well. So if it goes on long enough, um, it can feel like they have a UTI, but some kids can also get UTIs more because they're not emptying all the way.
0: That's a really good recap, I think, or or you know, good little summary of constipation uh, yes. with regards to kids. So make sure to um, like this episode, subscribe if you can, follow us on Instagram. We're Share. on all social media platforms, and this video will be available on YouTube as well. Share and tell us your comments. Tell us if
1: you learned anything, and as always, if you have questions, we are happy to answer them. Thank you all for joining us and send us your questions and what other uh, topics you want to hear about in these short episodes that we're doing.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, hospital, organization, employer, or company. Assumptions made in the analysis are not reflective of the position of any entity other than the participants. The participants are critically thinking human beings, therefore, these views are always subject to change, revision, reconsideration, and recalculation at any time. This podcast collaboration makes no warranties or representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information, communication, exchange, and the participants will not be liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information, or any losses, injuries, or damages arising from its broadcast dissemination or use. All information is provided on an as-is basis. It is the communication recipient's responsibility to verify any facts.